0: And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he'd sent the multitudes away, he went up in a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship, filled with disciples, was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And by the way, that's a King James understatement. Contrary means... Uh, deathly rage the the wind and the storm was so bad that it was life threatening and in the fourth watch of the night or the darkest part 3 to 6 a.m Jesus went unto them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear someone asked me one time they said do you really believe Jesus walked on the water I said he made the water I assume he could walk on it (laughs) answer the phone people Verse 27, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately... Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. In its context, this is a story of the deity of Jesus Christ, the power of God through the God-man Jesus, when he was on the earth as a man, all god And all men. It's a story of his power over nature. He can walk on water, defying gravity. He created gravity. I guess he could suspend it. He calmed waters by speaking to them. He spat in the ground and would make mud and put it on people's eyes, and blind people would see. He would stick his fingers in the ears of deaf people and pull them out. And he did that not because he needed the method, but he needed to do something so that they could recognize that the power abode in him. Jesus did not set up a spit in the clay ministry so you could go around spitting in the clay and making mud for people's eyes. It wasn't in the way he did it. It was in him. He was the resurrection. He was the life. All power was his in heaven and in earth. So when we have this story, it was an expression of the deity of Jesus walking on the water. You know, I know there's no video store in heaven, but I'd, I want to see this one. I really want to see them rowing all night long. Watch the whole thing. Six plus hours going nowhere. Fearing for their life. Exhausted. Worn out. And here comes Jesus walking on the water to them demonstrating his power. But in this story, there is a deeper story. And it's a type, a shadow. In the Bible, when you see types, he will take, and God is so powerful, he layers truth in one story. There can be several stories. This is a type, not a perfect type, but a type clear enough of salvation that you can't miss it. All the factors are there between the lostness of man and how God finds him and how God delivers him. And I want to take just a few moments. I won't keep you long this morning. Uh, you know, blessed is the man that's short-winded, for he shall be heard again. Especially for our visitors. I'm not going to keep you long. But I want... <laughs> that's not in the Bible, by the way. Somebody come up. Where, where's that verse? I need to take that to my home church. <laughs> my pastor closes like with 11 closings. Number one, I want you to see this. Keep your Bible open. I need you to think with me and watch and see a simple story. Jesus set the mark. He told them, He said, He constrained them to get into a ship and go before Him unto the other side. He set a standard, a goal, what their life was supposed to look like. In the same way in the Old Testament, the law was given Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not lie, you shall not steal, bear fault witness, commit adultery, etc. And the Bible tells us in Romans 7, we would not know sin. We wouldn't know what sin was unless there was the law given to show us that we had the sin nature and that we commit sins. This command was given, but it was not in their capacity to do it. Jesus knew the storm was coming. Nothing caught him off guard. And in the same way, he gives us a command. Be ye holy as I am holy. I got it. One small problem. I can't do it. Thou shalt not lie. I understand. Have you lied? Yes. Well, why did you lie? Because even when I want to do good, evil is present with me. And I find a law working in my body that evil triumphs. The good that I would do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do. Who can deliver me from this body of death? I cannot meet the standard. Go to the other side. We're trying to go to the other side. We just can't get there. Be holy as God is holy. Uh, About that. Do you see the problem, the dilemma? Okay, we're going somewhere. Stay with me. The command was the same to everybody on the boat. The command to all of us. The mark. The Bible says sin is missing the mark. We are supposed to live godly, but we cannot because we inherited a sin nature from Adam. And every one of us is in the same boat. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has the same expectation of God that they cannot meet. This command was good. It wasn't evil to say, go to the other side. And the command for us to be holy is good. No evil present. The command was beyond their ability to perform The storm of our sin nature and the sins that we've committed keep us from reaching the destination that God has called us to do. How many of you have storms of sin in your life? You remember, especially before you were born again, that kept you from God. The longer one lives, the farther they find themselves from both shores. We... Remember when he called us you might have went to Sunday school when you were a kid or Raised in a Christian home and here we are now and the shore that he called us to You can spend your whole life rowing and never get any closer Because you do not have the capacity To get there without grace and without the, the grace of God Some people die on the shore without ever getting in the boat I don't care about no God. I don't care about your church. I don't care about truth. I am my own truth. I am my own God. Now listen to me. You can die on the shore just as easily as you can die in the boat of your self-effort. Don't point to the guy on the shore that ain't trying and said, well, he's really bad. Both people have the same results unless God saves them. Whether I'm trying to be righteous, I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to be a good man, good husband, good wife, good employer. You cannot fulfill the law of God. In fact, it was written to show you that you couldn't. It reveals the sin nature in you. And then there are others that halt between two opinions. I believe. I'll talk to people. I'll share my faith. I'll share the gospel. They say, well, I believe. Well, the devil believes that Jesus exists, but he's not saved. So we're not talking about mental assent. We're talking about a firm, relying, exclusive trust in the Lord Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and for the salvation of our souls. Some are convinced but not consecrated. Moral but not spiritual. Changed but not resurrected. Mental assent but no spiritual descent that humbles themselves in the sight of the God. They're looking for a code to live by. Instead of one to die by. They are looking for a code to live by. Instead of one to die by. Now if you just cut me off here. This is very discouraging. But you got to wait for the end of this story. The Bible did not show me how to live. It taught me that I didn't. I can't do it. You can put me in your church on Sunday. You can put me there on Sunday night. You can put me there on Wednesday night. You can put me there on Mother's Morning Out. Put me in the nursery. Put me in the rangers. I can't do it. The Bible did not show me how to live. It showed me that I was dead. Dead in my trespasses and sin. Dead in my self-effort. Can't get there. Can't change it. Have you ever done something like this? I'm going to change This is the year. January one. I'm gonna lose 57 pounds by February 1. I'm gonna be sweet. <laughs> and I'm, we're gonna be kind in this house. If it kills us, we're gonna do it. All I ask, and you know why it's funny? You relate. I relate. February 1 comes, you've lost 11 ounces. Your children got black eyes from fighting. Your husband hadn't come home since the 3rd of January. He's like, I, I, I don't know what's wrong. Because well intentions are rarely realized. And God did not change my life. He resurrected my life. He gave me a new one. And the law showed me not how to live, but that I was dead. And only dead people qualify for resurrection. Some of y'all keep turning over new leaves every year. You ain't even got no leaves in your yard left. They're all gone. I'm not turning over no more. I'm turning it over to him. So Jesus set a standard. You see it in the story that they could not realize. Go to the other side. Sounds easy enough. Live holy. Uh, About that. Live without sin. Just go to the other side. We're trying. Number two. Jesus came to them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them. They could not make it to him, so he came to them. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. All my rowing as a preacher's son, all my rowing of turning and efforts, I could never get to God. So he sends his love to me. Don't don't get lost on the simplicity of this. This is one of the most profound mysteries in the word of God. I could not row to where he was. So he came through the womb of a virgin to where I was. He became naked so I could be clothed. He was rejected so that I could be accepted. He suffered without the camp that I might live in heaven, in in heaven's realm with him. He came to me. I didn't come to him. I was trying He came to where they were. He came to them personally. He didn't say, now, okay, this is me on the water. I'm coming. But before I get there, I need you to work out those differences there. And you need to change and get this worked out and figured out. And you need to wash. You need to bathe, get squared up. You're not presentable. He came to them like they were, as they were, where they were. And, you know, People say, well, God doesn't care about how we look and what we do and all that. Listen, he comes to you just like you are. But if you've met him, he will not leave you like you are. He will not. Say, <laughs> what's what's the one word that would describe post-salvation? Change. Change. God is my co-pilot. He walks up to your wall and takes a magic marker. and He raises it. He says, no, I own the plane. <laughs> God's the unseen guest at this house. He said, no, I got the title deed to this house. There are going to be some changes up in here. But the entrance, how he approaches you, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't talk about who you're living with. He doesn't talk about what you did last night. He doesn't talk about how you're not living up to the standard that you were raised in. One of the things that haunted me was the preacher's home that I was raised in and how godly my father was and how godly my mother was and I live like hell. You know what he did? He walked in my hell. In my depression. In my addiction to alcohol and pornography. In, in, muddied, soiled, poison, disease, I could not get to him. Oh, I'd pray drunk, but I couldn't get to him. So what did he do? He came to that campus for me, Mercy University in the mid to late 80s, and began to find me in the storm of my sinfulness and did not ask me to clean up nothing till I met him. He came to them intentionally and purposefully. He came without an invitation. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. Well, I invited Jesus to come. He don't need your invitation. I hear, I hear them say that. I invited the Lord into my heart. He don't need your invitation. Salvation is not, does not come by the will of man. You don't will it into being. He elects you. He chooses you. He singled your boat out in the middle of all these boats going under and walked to you and introduced himself to you and chose you before the foundation of the earth was laid. He chose you. He chose Simon. No invitation. And he came to them not just walking on the water, but with power. Sufficient power. Abundant power. Excessive power. I'm amazed at the theologians who call themselves Christians that say that this could not have happened and this uh, was added to the manuscripts there were manuscripts that did not have this and they've added this story let's just just think just hey stop and just think don't you ever just wish in our nation we could table all of our wisdom and use common sense just common sense that's not so common anymore now don't even get me started on the political realm just common common sense if creation is true, with the knowledge that the Hubble telescope and the Bubble telescope and everything that they're sending us, billions of galaxies, billions. Scientists tell us that if every human being on the face of the earth had 150,000 stars each, it would not make up the stars in our galaxy alone. And there are billions of galaxies. And we're finding black holes. I don't even know what all that means. But like you just, it just to infinity times infinity, just space, space, space. And God, according to scripture, if it's true, okay, let's concede. If it's true, the creator stepped out on nothing. There's nothing. There's no space dust to bump together to make anything. Don't buy into that. Two particles of space dust bumped into each other in the cosmos. Where'd the dust come from? Just we're doing common sense now. Common sense blackness no time he's eternal there's no time he created time for us so we'd know when to get up and go to work he created time for us that's all he stepped out on nothing and said let there be light an angel said get out of here do you see this right here do I have any problem with him walking on water when he created by his spoken word and all things are upheld by the word of his power everything Not at all. This is just a glimpse into how much power he brought. Can he save a person? He made the person. He sculpted Adam out of some mud and blew breath into this mud man. And he became a living soul. Can he walk on water to save him? He created him in his image. And Adam became a living soul. Jesus set the mark that they couldn't reach. And because they couldn't reach it, He came to them. Number three, Jesus revealed Himself to them. He spoke unto them and said, It is I, be not afraid. He revealed Himself plainly and in a way they could understand. Same way He appeared to Saul on the Damascus road, speaking to him in the Hebrew tongue. When God gets ready to save you, He will speak in a way that you can understand, whether it's a preacher you connect to, a family member that shares the gospel in such a way that you get it. You'll say, I get it. And don't don't forget the point that Jesus came to them with salvation too. As many as believed on him, to them gave he the power to become the son of God. He didn't come to Peter and those in the boat to watch them die. He doesn't send messages out like this today and messages to you about his love for you so that you can die. He comes with power and salvation in his hand. And he reveals himself through the preached word. He reveals himself. He revealed himself to those on the boat even though he didn't have to, even though they never asked, even though they didn't deserve it, even though they didn't recognize him, even though they were slow to believe. In the previous chapter, they had just witnessed him feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with one boy's lunch. Some of you today are so slow to believe, and you have grew up seeing the glory of God in somebody's life. There are parents in this room today that you're not believers. I'm not in judgment of you, or you're backslid, not living right. And you see in your children the glory of God. And you're so slow to believe. What 3,206 whippings wouldn't do. Time out. If you added up all the time out, your children were on a restriction six years. And they didn't change. And they received grace and you've watched it happen. Even though they were slow to believe, he came to them anyway. You know how grace-filled God is? Not only do we not deserve it, we try his last patience, and he comes to us anyway. He came to them, even though they went so far as to mistake mistake him for part of the problem. Jesus comes walking on the water, and they said, it's a ghost. Thank you very much. Can you imagine? (laughs) Thank you. Well, if, if I'm dying in a boat in the middle of a storm, I mean dying. We're about to go under, boats taking on water everybody's panicking, you know, they're bringing out their little uh, talismans and just in case we're wrong, doing everything because they're about to go down. And here comes Jesus and one of them says, it's a ghost! I don't want to see a ghost while I'm going down. That's the last thing you're looking for <laughs> is an aberration of some dead person or a demon floating on the water. And you know how some of us are wired? We would expect demons to show up. Before we'd expect God to show up. And they thought the coming of the Lord was the problem. And there are people in this room. I didn't know who would be here today. When the Lord gave me this message this week about you. You think that His coming will cause it's the problem. Because if He comes and it's going to cause all this change. And you would expect evil before you would expect God. And I believe in my heart. He wants me to tell you. He's not the problem. He's the solution. Anyway. Moving on, Jesus wooed them, drew them. He wooed them with the revelation of his person. He said, Be of good cheer, it is I. He wooed them with words of comfort. Be not afraid. I know you're far from shore, but don't be afraid. Yesterday, as I got to this point, I just felt a gripping in my heart. I believe it was the Lord there are people that are very, very far from shore. They're far from not trying and far from arriving. And they're right in the middle. And the Lord wants you to not be afraid because He's coming for you. He said, I know that you're more sinful than people realize, but don't be afraid. I know you've tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed and you've swore off church and faith because you deem it better to just not try than be a failure. And the Lord wants me to tell you don't be afraid of your past. I know you're addicted and powerless to change but don't be afraid. I know you're filled with shame And are tormented by the things that you've done don't be afraid I know you're exhausted from trying to make life work and you may be even despairing of life but don't be afraid I know you're unsure about everything but your fear but I say unto you don't be afraid and then he wooed them with a word of invitation come Simon said Lord if this is you If you're talking to me now on this Sunday morning in Macon Georgia if you're talking to me let me come to you and Jesus gave him an invitation come and God doesn't give invitations without giving the power necessary to accomplish them wait a minute John I thought you just told me that God gave us commandments that we're incapable of living out but these two statements are not the same thing pay careful attention to me the law was given to show you that you couldn't. The invitation to grace is given to show you that God can. The law was given to show me that I couldn't. But the come unto me, all oh, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, was given to show me that He could. Quickenings. Those of you that were dead in trespasses and sin, you're quickened to new life. Lazaruses, dead men can get up and come out of the ground. At the invitation of God. The commandment was not an invitation, it was a decree. But invitations whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. The law was given to show us that we couldn't, but graceful invitations are given to show us that God can. If our musician would come, please. Maybe there are some here today who made the first steps towards Christ and began to sink. The moment Simon took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. So here's someone stepping out of their life, a type. Stepping out of the familiar. They're not sinking, they're just not going anywhere. Stepping out of that, listen to this, this is so critical stepping out of that which is not working can't we just be honest with ourselves it's not working we're still working and we're still going home and we're still paying our bills but we're no closer to what God's expected of us than we when we started the storm of our sinfulness is in the way and he said if this is you Lord if you're talking to me this morning bid me to do what I can't do that's it in a nutshell let me join you in your power. I'm not asking you for a trick. I'm not asking you for a sign. I want to do what you're doing. If you want me to be holy, share your holiness with me. If you want me to live, resurrect me. Tell me that I can come to you. And Jesus said to him, Come. And he started. And some of you started. But you took your eyes off Jesus and put them on your circumstances. And in the same way Simon Peter sunk, when we take our eyes off Christ, the world becomes louder than his whispers, and he sunk. If you look outward, you will sink. If you look inward, you will sink. If you look to others for your salvation, you will sink. If you look to systems of religions, to ordinances to priests or dead saints, you will sink. But for Simon, in that moment, he would tell you that why a person sinks is not near as important as the fact that they are sinking. He began to sink. And the word the Lord gave me for some of you today is sinking. They're sinking. They're either dying on the shore, sinking in their own apathy. They're dying on the boat, sinking in their hard-heartedness. Or they're trying to do it and it hasn't worked yet. They're sinking. The difference is the person on the shore will die without Christ. The person on the boat will die without Christ. But the person that walks to him may begin sinking but they won't finish sinking. He began to sink but he didn't finish. He began to perish but he didn't perish. He began to die but he didn't die because he did something that any person can do. He said, Lord, Save me. And immediately, Jesus reached down his hand and grabbed him and pulled him back on top of the Immediately, Jesus saved him personally. He didn't send an apostle or a prophet or a priest, no mediator. He reached out and touched him. Hand to hand, he touched him. And he established him and brought him back up. And I know the context of the passage. I could preach it up ways and sideways. In the story of the disciples, they should have known better. He said, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? He was correcting them. But the type of salvation that's here also tells us another story. If you just got a little faith, if it's not even whole, if it's not even mature, if it's riddled with doubt, it's enough to save the worst person. It was little faith, but it was living faith. It was little faith, but it was directed to the King of Kings, and it saved him. And then there's something very beautiful we'll get to next week as well, but it fits this part perfectly. He pulled him up on the top of the water, and they walked. They walked. And they walked back to the boat together. What's that walk like? Walking to him is one thing. But walking back after you couldn't do it. And you failed at it. And when he got back to the boat, the wind ceased. In another place in the gospel, as soon as Jesus got on the boat, immediately they were at the other side. I want to see that video too. Just immediately they were at the other side. So Pastor John, what are you telling me today? That any effort towards God... Whosoever calls on Him, no matter how far they have sunk, how fast they're sinking, He saves them. And when Jesus and Simon walked back to the boat, can you imagine this? He holds His hand, like I'd walk Kelly up these stairs. He walks him up the little side of the boat, and Simon gets in the boat. He's soaking wet. Everybody else is dry. And they said, surely you're the son of God. And they began to worship him. There are people in your life that after they see what God does for you, they're going to worship him. There are people in your life when they see the miraculous change, they're going to worship Jesus. I don't have time to go into this. I'm just going to throw it out there for you to look at and think about. Boat full of worshipers. But one of them worshiped with wet clothes. I I believe that I'm a failure, but you're greater than my failures. I believe that I tried, but you're greater than my trying. I believe that I could do it in my own strength, but you're greater than my own strength. And wet or not, you are the Lord of my life. So one of two things, especially if you're a guest with us. I like to put all my cards on the table. I'm not going to manipulate you. Manipulation doesn't help you at all. Why would the Lord give me this word today if it weren't for you? You'll either harden your heart and stiffen it, walk back out. I came for the baptism. I left for the baptism. Great. But what if the Lord sent you a word to tell you just one more time, get out of that boat. of Come on. One more time. Grace would flood your life and you'd be a recipient of that grace. This phrase describes you today. He began to sink, she began to sink, but she didn't finish. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I give you my word that no one in this building will embarrass you in any capacity. But it's hard to cry out for someone to save you filled with pride. It's hard to cry out, Lord, save me and look cute and together with no one looking around. If you desire for the Lord to save you in your sinking, could I invite you just to stand and come kneel at this altar no one's going to ask you a question no one's going to embarrass you or ask you to speak but you got to come people are coming from all over this building how about that person that's backslid if not today when God's Spirit's wooing you today He's wooing you today it's I, don't be afraid, come on would you come? Glory to God. Glory to God. Is there anyone today who said, Pastor John, I'm not a Christian. But I be- something about what you said today, I believe that. And I want you to know I'm praying where I sit. I believe you. Put your hand up. Hold it for me. God bless you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. I believe today, Pastor. I believe today. The rest of you, would you look to me? We've got just just a couple of minutes, but I always want to give you... Can I just tell you why I do this? There's something about our pride that we knock it down a few notches every time we respond to the Word of God. I don't care what you think I'm praying about. I want to respond. Whatever this means... And those sitting in the sanctuary, be very careful you don't decide what someone's praying about. Just keep your mind and your mouth off of them. Just leave them alone. I am sinking, whatever that means, because that's the word he gave me. I'm sinking. It could be a hundred different things, and it's not important that anyone else knows. God wants to save you from that sinking, whatever that is. Now, those of you that are Christians, you don't hesitate. You come and call on the name of the Lord. I'm sinking in, and you could fill in the blank. You're going to start, but you're not going to finish. Because God's going to pull you up today, this morning. Because he wouldn't give you a word that he wasn't going to empower it to make it happen. So if that's you, that word, sinking, I want you to come and stand in this front. And we're going to pray. God bless you. The Lord knows why you're praying. The Lord knows why you're praying today. God bless you. God bless you. Say that to yourself. I began to sink, but I'm not going to finish. Glory to God. This is your word today. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Saints, would you come quickly? Ladies with ladies, guys with a guy. And just put your hand, don't overpower their prayer. Just, you're not sinking. You're not going to finish. You're not going to finish sinking. God's with you. Come on, come on. You're not going to finish. God won't let you. God won't let you. God won't let you go down. Could I have a gentleman with this man here, please? Please. Praise the Lord. I need a gentleman with this man here, please. Someone come pray. This guy here. God's not going to let you finish. You needed a word and God gave it to you. You began to sink, but you won't finish. Glory to God. Mm, Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory. Saints, I'm not laboring the point. I hear it so loud in my heart, you're not going to finish sinking. I just hear it. I will not let you finish. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Saints, would you stand with us in the congregation? Those in the altar, you can still pray if you desire. Do you have within your heart the desire or the ability for just one minute to recollect in your mind The times that you began to sink and he didn't let you, and would you just offer him thanks? Would you do that? Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I want you to know about this thing and tell him what the thing is. Thank you for not letting me finish sinking, God. Thank you, oh Lord. Thank you, oh Lord. Thank you, oh Lord. Faithful Jesus, thank you, Lord. 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 Glory to your name. I'm going to ask my brother Scott Davidson, would you come and dismiss us in prayer? Are we on here? Just take your time and pray over us this morning.
1: Father, first I just want to thank you for all the times you not let us sink in the past, God. In the times when we didn't deserve it, you reached down and pulled us back on top of the water. And God, for every person in this room today, the ones in the front, even the ones who may not have come, just let them know and just let them take away from here today that you're always gonna be there to reach down and pull them up. You won't let them sink because you love them. God, I thank you for pulling us up when we don't deserve it, and God, sometimes when we don't even know to ask for it. God, I thank you for walking us back to the boat so that we can show people around us who our Savior is, God. God, I just pray that you keep us all safe and bring us back next Sunday and just bless each and every one of these people here. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.
1: Thank you, buddy.